Amen. How many are glad to be in God's house on this Saturday night? Amen. Amen. I said, how many are glad to be in God's house on this Saturday night? Amen. Amen. It is truly an honor to be able to be here. And Mr. Sound Guy, if you don't mind, just give me just a little bit more up here. I'll pull it down from my mouth here in a little bit. But it is such an honor, privilege to be here tonight with you. And uh, it is uh, Heath and I are cousins, but more than likely we grew up mostly as brothers. And uh, so it's just been a lifelong uh, there with us. And God actually did call us both into ministry about the same time as he said. And all those other accolades don't believe anything that he says. But uh, God has been good. And uh, I have been able to be there where I met for going on almost 14 years and uh, just seeing God do incredible stuff. But I've come from Oak Grove tonight, and uh, I've just come believing that God's going to pour out His Spirit in such a mighty, powerful way in this place tonight. And I know that you came for that reason as well. Let's just go right into the Word tonight. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off in John chapter number 5. If you have John chapter number 5, once you find it, please stand for the reading of God's Word. If you can't find it, just fake it till you make it. And uh, it'll be up on the screen as well too. John chapter number 5, and it says this, beginning in verse number 1, it says... After this, everyone say, after this. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, everyone say, sheep gate. By the sheep gate, a pool, which in Hebrew, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches around it. And in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, and paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel would go down at a certain time into the pool and stir the water that they had. And now a certain man was, was there who had an infirmity of 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition for a long time, he said unto him, do you want to be made well? And the sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool. Then the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. Father, tonight... I thank you for the great honor and privilege to be to stand behind this sacred desk and speak to your people, God. God, tonight I'm asking for an overwhelming anointing and flow of your power in this place tonight, God. We didn't come for a normal service on a Saturday night, God, but these people have sacrificed their time to come out because they've come hungry for a move from you. So, God, tonight we called on, called down fresh fire from heaven in this place tonight, God. A fire that is unquenchable, a fire that is unstoppable, God. God, we speak to every Every form of disease, every form of illness, every form of of addiction, God, in this place tonight. And we say that the fire can consume it in this place tonight. So, Father, we've come expecting great and mighty things. Now, God, I ask, Lord, as your messenger tonight, that you lift me up above my talents and my abilities, God, and that you would flow through me, that these lips would become your lips, and these words would come straight from your throne room in heaven. Tonight, we worship you, we love you, and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name, everyone said... Amen. You can be seated with us tonight. How many of you really came expecting something from God in this place tonight? Amen. You really came expecting. Luke chapter number 3 verse 15 says this. It says, now as the people were in expectation. Everyone say expectation. 
Now, when the people were in expectation and all reason in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not, John answered, saying to all, Indeed, I baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out the, the, his threshing floor and gather the wheat unto him. Tonight, I want to you to be in this attitude for the remainder of of this service of having an attitude of expectation because I came expecting something from God tonight myself. Amen. I, I didn't drive two and a half hours down here just because Heath called me yesterday and said, Hey man, we got a problem. I came because I believe God has a divine will, plan, and purpose for you here in this community. Amen. I came because I've come expecting healing in this place. I've come because I've come expecting deliverance in this place, deliverance from fear, deliverance from alcohol, deliverance from drugs, whatever it is that has you bound and has you addicted, I believe that God can set you free in a moment's time in this place tonight. I came expecting God to pour out his spirit in a mighty way in this place tonight. I came tonight expecting the miracle working power and the anointing of God to flow in this place. Amen. I'm reminded of a quote by but you, you, you'll follow me. I, I get going, and trust me, look, uh, if, if they're recording this, you might have to buy something later and listen to it because uh, when I get going, it's hard to keep up with my mind where it's going, and I have literally no notes hardly here besides just the scriptures, so we're going to go with what God says tonight. And uh, I'm reminded of a, of a quote by, the, by a man by the name of Charles Spurgeon. He said this quote. He said, put some fire in the sermon to put the sermon in the fire, amen? And so I've come tonight, I believe, with a fire from God. Uh, to just place into our hearts in the place tonight. Tonight, I want to speak to us on this topic. Now, now, granted, I am a youth pastor, and and I, I I speak to youth all over, speak to youth pastors all over. But but I've come tonight, and I want to speak to you on the topic of the struggle is real. Lean to your neighbor and say the struggle is real. Now lean to your other neighbor you just rejected and say no, the struggle really is real. All right, we got to love on everyone in this place tonight. Amen. I want to speak to us about this particular passage of Scripture because, you see, I believe there's, there's a profound uh, a story and lesson that we can learn from this. Now, there's one thing you must understand about me is that, that I, uh, I love youth. I love teenagers. I love hanging out with them. I love doing all those things. I love taking them places, and I love theme parks. Anyone ever been to a theme park before? Anyone here like roller coasters, all right? So, so I love theme parks, and, and I love going there, and, and I love riding the rides, but there's one thing I do not like, and that is waiting in line. Amen? It's kind of like going to Walmart when there's 50 million check uh, uh, cashier registers up there and there's only two people working amen so you feel my pain you feel my struggle amen so so but but I, I love taking our students when we get to go on summer retreats and all we go to theme parks we do different things and uh and so I love no pressure John all right so I'm just saying that so so uh, I love going and but there's one thing that I, I love doing is spoiling our, our youth too and and so I, when I begin to read this this passage of scripture I begin to think about me going to theme parks and, and taking us and there's one place I took our students a few years ago. We went down to Orlando to the theme parks down there. And uh, if you've ever been down there, you'll understand that the lines are extremely long. They can be extremely hectic. So, so we get fast passes to be able to go. And uh, everyone loves to be in the VIP lane. Amen? Right? How many love to be in the VIP, right? We always love to be the fast, you know, self-checkout at Walmart now. You go to Sam's. Man, Sam's has it going on where they got where you can just scan your own stuff, go right on out the door, or download an app, do it while you're putting it in your buggy, and you don't even 
even have to check with anybody on your way out. Amen. So we love express passes. We love the express way. So, so I can remember that we would go and, and we'd go stand in that line. And I can remember before we could afford fast passes to be able to go that we'd go and we'd wait in the line. And I don't know if you've ever been in a place like this, but, but I've been there and, and you wait for this ride that you really want to ride. This ride is only lasts, you know, like 96 seconds or whatever. It's just like very short, but you wait for two hours to get on this ride, right? So uh, this past summer, actually, I took a youth pastor friend of mine, and we went to uh, Orlando again, and we was down there, and we waited for three hours almost to get on a ride uh, that was just fresh and brand new because we wanted to ride it. And so, but there was one thing that that I always remember. I always hated being in that line, and when you get right up to the edge of that line, when you're about to step on the ride, you know, that anticipation that's there, or, or that moment in life to where you're there at the very moment that you're about to to get into what you've come expecting for, amen? The expectancy you're about to step into. You see, you see back to that passage of scripture I read a while ago about that it said, and they came with expectation. Expectation in, a, in another form, in another Bible reads that they came on their tiptoes, all right? They were, they were just waiting for that moment that they could just step into. That's the type of an anticipation, expectation they came to. So, so I can remember being in those kind of moments to where you're there and you've waited for, for 45 minutes to an hour to get onto the ride or to, to experience what you've come to experience. And then I can remember that, that sometimes they come over the intercom and they tell you, we're sorry, but this ride has been closed down. You've just waited all that time, but this ride has been closed down. Or I can remember being there and all of a sudden out in the middle of nowhere in the other lane, the express, express lane on the other side, that people, they would stop you. And it was your moment to step in. It was your moment to get in there. It was your moment to experience what was going on. And they say, hold up, wait a minute, don't go there because we ain't with it. All right. So, so, and they began to, to allow other people who had express passes to get by. So I began to apply that and think about it with, with this particular passage of scripture in John chapter number five. Now let, let's go with me to this particular passage of scripture. In John chapter number five, we have this place that is called the pool of Bethesda. Everyone say Bethesda. The pool of Bethesda. Now, when you think about the pool of Bethesda, when someone just says the pool of Bethesda, when I originally thought about that, I thought about, you know, like the Bahamas, like there's some sand, there's some palm trees, and it's the pool of Bethesda, you know. It's got to be nice, it's got to be crystal clear, it's got to be a great place to go to, and a great place to experience. It's the, the pool of Bethesda. I mean, when, when it's the middle of August or in the middle of July, and someone says to you, hey, let's go hang out at the pool of Bethesda, you know, some of you are like, man, let's go, let's go jump in, let's go have fun, but, but let me turn our mind to actually what was going on at this moment in this time. You see, the pool of Bethesda was, was not an ordinary pool. The pool of Bethesda was located by, beside a gate known as the Sheep Gate. You said that a while ago. It was the Sheep Gate. Now, now, why do you think they called it the Sheep Gate? Well, it's a no-brainer question right there. It is because historically it is believed that the Sheep Gate was where they would bring in the sheep and the animals would come through that gate to be cleansed and be clean for sacrifice. They would come in through that that around the entire wall of the city, that was the gate that they would bring the animals through. Now, I don't know if you've ever been around animals before. I don't know if you've ever been on a farm before. I live on a farm. I live out in the middle of about 20,000 acres. It's just my family. And so, so in the middle of a farm, things can, cannot always smell the most pleasant. Amen? 
Are you with me? Are you with me tonight? So, so I, now I want you to change your mind with me from the pool of Bethesda, this nice place that, that you want to just, just go to, to a place now that is right beside where the very animals would come in that they would cleanse to be re- prepared for to be sacrificed. So at this moment that they are there, they're there and, and everything, all the smells that come along with animals, all the left behind things that come along with animals, it's all right there. Now, not only would they enter in through that gate. Historically, it is believed that they would take the animals and they would cleanse them in the upper part of the pool of Bethesda. And then that water from where they cleansed those animals would drain down to the lower body of the pool of Bethesda, which is where all these people were gathered around waiting for the moment to where the angel would descend from heaven and stick his fingers or his feet or whatever he did in the water and begin to stir it. And in that that moment, the very first person that would step off of those five porches that were surrounding it would immediately receive the miracle that they came for. Now, I don't know how many of you came here for a miracle tonight, but I can tell you this, that if you came here for a miracle tonight, that Jesus is about to stir some waters here in sanctuary, that Jesus is about to stir some waters, because you see, the Word of God tells us wherever two or more stand in agreement. Now, you got to get with me tonight. Wherever two or more stand and agree in his presence, it shall be so. It doesn't say that it will be so. It doesn't say three months it will be so. It doesn't say three years it will be so. It says whenever people gather in the presence of an almighty God. You see, that's why I love it whenever you can understand that when you get into the presence of almighty God, you see, you can't come into God's house, into God's presence, filling down and leave out still feeling down because the word of God says that in his presence there is fullness of joy and joy is what our strength is amen in his presence there is fullness of joy you see I don't know how you came into this place tonight but I don't care how you came into this place tonight what I care about is how you leave out of this place tonight you see but I believe that there is a group of people right here in this community in Gina Louisiana you see Gina and Oak Grove have a lot of similarities, but but I believe that there is a group of people right here in Gina, Louisiana, who came, who are ready, that are standing on the five porches surrounding where Jesus has been moving and saying, we're just ready. If we can just get into that river or just get into that water, it's getting hot. If we can just get into the place of where God is moving. You see, you didn't come here tonight on a Saturday night just to come have another normal church service. Amen? I am sick and tired of normal church services. Amen? There there are some people that drive me insane as a pastor, and that is the most religious people you'll come across. I don't come to have church. I come to have a move of God. Amen? Some of you will catch that a little bit later, but, but there's a difference between just coming to church and coming to have a move of God, amen? And so I want us to go to this particular place, and I want you to imagine with me, the Word of God says that there was this man who had an illness of 38 years. 38 years. Let me say 38 years. An illness of 38 years. Now, when he was around there, 
that he was, he was there. I believe his friends brought him and left him there. And I believe that, that it wasn't like you and I would think. It wasn't this organized moment to where the ushers are all standing around the pool. And they're waiting for the waters to come. And people are in a single file line. And they're waiting patiently for God to move. No. This was probably the most chaotic place. Probably the most chaotic place in the city. Because this was a place to where everyone was fighting to get to where Jesus was. Or the moving of the waters. Just stay with me for a moment. They were fighting to get to the place where miracles were happening. Amen? Is there anyone here in this place tonight that is ready to see people fighting to get to the doors of sanctuary worship to see what Jesus is doing? Amen. You see, you see, you don't you don't have to promote. You don't have to advertise. You don't have to do any of that. When revival truly breaks out in a place, I'm not talking about an emotional hype. I'm not talking about the hooping and the hollering and all that kind of stuff. I love that stuff. I'm a part of that. I can understand that. And and I've love those services, but what I'm talking about is revival is, as Pastor Heath said, it's when you have a cultural change, amen? It is when souls are being saved and set free. You can have people come to the altars, be laid hands on, slain in the spirit, speak in tongues, run around the place, do a Jericho march, do whatever it is that they want to do, but if souls are not being saved or set free, there is not a time and a place for revival. It is just an emotional hype, amen? It is time for us as the church to realize that we have been called to bring down a fresh fire, a fresh anointing, and a fresh thing. You see, because people have been watching the church for a very long time, but it's time for us. You know, this ain't even nowhere near my mind, but, but I thank you so much, brother. This is nowhere near my mind, but, but, but let us understand this. The enemy wants the church to leave out quietly and be silent. Amen? The enemy wants the church that in the midst of the issues and all the things that's going through in our nation today and our communities today, the enemy wants the church just just calm down, just be quiet, everything will be okay. Just 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 do what you want to do quietly, amen. But can I tell us this tonight that Jesus did not come and sacrifice his life for us to remain quiet at the church. But can I tell us this? There, there's a in, in Acts chapter number 15, 16, over there somewhere, when Paul and Silas and all of them were arrested and place in there. They wanted to sneak them out of the back door. They wanted to just take them out and sneak them out. After they had been publicly ridiculed and publicly scrutinized, they said, they said, we're just going to scoot you out the back. We're just going to take you out the back. But Paul said, oh no, we ain't going out that way. We are Christians and we believe and we serve a holy God and we believe you scrutinized me publicly. You made a shame of me publicly. He said, you call all the people. And guess what happened? When they began to call all the people, all the political people, everyone, they all began to show up and they had a parade going on to escort Paul and them out of the very place that they have been placed in. Can I tell us something tonight? That Jesus is not coming back for a dead church. Jesus is not coming back for a politically correct church. Jesus is not coming back for a church that is silent, but it says that with a shout, with a voice of a triumph that the eastern sky is going to split and Jesus is coming back for a church that is without blemish and without spot that is ready to be called up to meet him in that moment. Amen. 
Now let's get back to this story. This man, for 38 years, had been sick. There are some of you in this place that have family members that are lost and dying and going to a devil's hell. And God has given you a promise, and you've been holding on to it for years, but you haven't seen it come to pass. There are some of you in this place that sickness has struck your life, and you've been, you've been feeling like, when is my time to be healed? And the enemy's been whispering all these things over to you. For 38 years, this man had been at this pool. And as he's waiting at this pool, and let's understand this picture a little bit more. I don't believe that this man ever left. This is my personal opinion. It doesn't say this in the, in the scripture, so don't hold me to this. But I'm just saying, this is, this is me just analyzing. That if all the chaos is going on there, and you're waiting to be the very next person, I believe that this man was placed there, and he never left because he was waiting. And he, if he knew that if he left, he'd be back at the back of the line. Amen? And so, so I believe that this man is here at this moment and he's waiting. Now, if he's there and he's been waiting for all this time, that means that for 38 years he hasn't had a bath. For 38 years he hasn't had a haircut. For 38 years he hasn't had a change of clothes. For 38 years he's in the middle of all the sheep dung, the goat dung, and everything else that's going on. And he doesn't smell that good. He doesn't look that good. But, but there was an appointed time that his life was about to change. For 38 years, the Word of God says that he would get right to the edge of the water. He would be right there. Now, you would think if he was there for 38 years, he would have VIP access, right? He has seniority. He would be right there. For 38 years, he's found over and over and over that he would get right next to the water. He would crawl to the very best that he could because, because he couldn't use his legs. or anything. He would crawl to the very best he could underneath people, and he'd get right next to the water to where he could see the water, he could smell the water, and he could feel the water. And every time that the angel would come and stir the water, someone would reach down and grab him on his back and throw him back, and they would step in the water before him. Wow. How many times have we been into a church service before and we sensed and knew the presence that God was moving in that moment? God was moving in that time. We could, we could smell the presence, amen? You ever been in those kind of moments? You ever been in those moments where you could smell the praise of the people? Amen? He's like, you know, person on pew number three needs to put a little more deodorant on, right? So you could smell their praise? Right, back to the story, all right? So in that moment, he would always be Pulled right back. But there was a moment that everything was changing for him. Now, if it was most of us for 38 years being right there on the edge of our miracle, being right there on the edge of our breakthrough, being right there on the edge of experiencing what God has for us, and every single time we get there, we'd be pulled back, then most of us would all give up. Amen? Let's just be real. It's like, I'm going back to the house. I'm going to continue living in the condition that I'm living in. And I'm just going to die this way. I, I was, this, is just, this is just the way it is. I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of getting right there to the brink of it and always being pulled back. That was not this man. This man had tenacity. This man did everything he could within him to stay right next 
to the edge of the water, to the moment to where he could experience the miracle. And then one day, then one day, the sheep gate and the pool. Now, what did I tell us the sheep gate was for? It was for where they would bring the sheep in and they would cleanse them and prepare them for the sacrifice. Now, hang on to this because this right here will preach in itself, but I'm not going to go there tonight. Then one day, Jesus enters through the sheep gate, foretelling that he was the Lamb of God without spot and without blemish. And he didn't have to get in the water to be clean. Some of you will catch that a little bit later on. He enters through the sheep gate. Now, if, if this man and all these other people had heard of who Jesus was, they would have left the water to go find out where Jesus was on the other side of town to receive their miracle. Because I believe that if I was in a condition that I've been in for 38 years and I had not received the miracle that I wanted, that when I heard about a man named Jesus that was healing the blind and the lame and all this kind of stuff, that I would, I would ask someone to pick me up from where I am and take me to wherever Jesus was. This man had no idea who in the world Jesus was. No idea who he was. Jesus comes in through the sheep gate and he walks by all of these people that are there expecting a miracle. All these people that are expecting a miracle that have no idea who in the world he is. And he leans over and this one man catches his attention who had been there for 38 years. Do you know that every service you come into catches the attention of your heavenly father. That every moment that you are in dire need, even in the moments that you feel like you are all alone and you're asking God, when will my time be? Because I see everyone else receiving a miracle, but why can't I? God always pays attention to his children. Jesus walks in. No one recognizes him. And this one man catches his attention. And he looks at him, and he says this. He says, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? Now, to me, that's like a no-duh question, right? Well, of course, Jesus, I've been here for, or whoever you are, because he doesn't know he's Jesus, it's like, you're just rude. And you're asking me, do I want to be made well? I've been here for 38 years. I sting. I haven't had a shower. I can't do anything. And you're going to have the audacity to ask me, do I want to be made well? Of course I want to be made well. What kind of question is that? Jesus takes it another step further. See, Jesus was pretty blunt. And what does he say? Basically, he says, well, stand up. Like I've never thought of that before. I don't have a clue who in the world you are, but like I've never thought of that before. See, that's how most of us would be. 
Why would you have the audacity to come up to me when you know that I'm sick? I'm here for a reason and a purpose. And you as the pastor are going to ask me, why did you come down to the front? Well, just receive your healing. What would you do if Pastor Heath, when you came down to the front and he said, why are you even here? You sick? Yeah. Of course. Duh. Well, just get healed. And he just moved on. Right? Sounds pretty hysterical that way, but that's the way most of us would be in that kind of moment. But can I tell us this? Because this changes everything. When Jesus walked in at that moment, this man had no idea who he was. He didn't know anything about him or what he was there for. But can I tell you this? It doesn't matter that when you come to a church house like this that believes in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter if you even know who Jesus is. When his presence enters into the place, everything else changes because his presence catches your attention. Can I tell us something tonight? You do not have to please every single person who comes in this place. Well, I'm afraid if I go down to the front, then God's going to touch my life. And then brother so-and-so or my best friend that I brought to church with me in this place tonight is going to be freaked out a little bit about what God does in the service. You got to quit worrying about what God is going to do in a service. God, it's never going to offend anyone. God is never going to cause any division to happen. But you need to understand that that person that's sitting next to you that came into this place, they didn't come because it's another church. They came because there's the power and the anointing that is flowing. You see what? When the presence, when the presence of God catches your attention, everything changes. And this man realized that there was something different about this guy. Because I can imagine that countless times he had had people come up to him and say, hey, let me help you out. No. No. Countless times to this man, he could have said, could have said, yes, I want to be made well, but over there is where the miracle is at. Well, Jesus, thank you. Sometimes we can be so focused on where the miracle was that we forget where it is. Did you hear me tonight? Sometimes we can be so focused on where God was that we forget on where he is. You see, out of the hundreds of people that were there to receive a miracle, there was only one who recognized where Jesus was. Don't ever become so caught up on religion that you look back to where Jesus was, that you miss out on where he is. Jesus looks at him and says, well, stand up. He didn't question what this man said to him because the anointing that was there was working in his life. And when Jesus said, stand up, he reached out his hand and he began to stand up. And right there in that moment, he received 
the miracle that God had for him. I want you to listen to me very closely because I'm about to close. And I know pastors say that about three or four times, but I promise you I'm about to close. You see, there are some of you in this place tonight. There are some of you. Can I get someone to go ahead and come through the keys, please? There are some of you that are in this place tonight that you feel like that you are that man. That every single time that you've crawled to the edge of where the water was stirring, that something else would happen in your life, that some other obstacle would come in your life, or that someone else would push you out of the way to get in the water before you, and it seems like every single time you get there, something reaches down on your shoulder and drags you and throws you back. To the point that some of you have come to the place almost in your life of just giving up on even expecting God to even do in that situation. That you just, okay God, I'm done. And then there are some of you that are in this place tonight that you've come sincerely asking God to begin to stir the waters of this parish and of this community. To allow His presence to manifest in such a powerful way. You see, when true revival hits, you don't have to beg people to come. When true revival hits, people are lost and people are needy. And they'll try anything and everything to get where the presence of God is. Because you see, even though that we come in and we can come in and experience another service time after time after time and think that nothing's really going on. You can become so used and so numb to everything else that is going on that you forget what God is actually doing and how He is actually moving. Tonight, you must understand that it doesn't matter how long you've been waiting on your miracle. It doesn't matter how long that you've been struggling with your addiction. I counsel people all the time, all the time, that struggle over and over and over and over and over again, right to the moment they get to the brink of their breakthrough, everything's snatched out. Right to the moment next time, everything's snatched out. Right to the next moment, everything's snatched out. It breaks my heart if you would see the text messages and the phone calls from not just people, but from pastors around the nation that contact me and say, Manly, I need you to pray because, because I'm really struggling and this is going on in my life. And it seems like every time I don't even feel worthy enough to stand before my people. You see, some of you can relate to that tonight, not as the pastor in, but you can relate to the fact of that sometimes you don't even feel worthy enough to come to these altars to the feet of Jesus because like, what's the use? I've been there time and time and time again. Nothing's happened. Nothing's changed. 
can I tell you something tonight? I didn't come to, to just preach uh, another message and, and just come and socialize and build relationships. No, I came because I came expecting. And I'm not expecting God to move the way he used to move. You know, a lot of people say that we want to move a guy like it was on the day of Pentecost. Look, I'm all for that. But listen to me. I I don't really want another move like it was on the day of Pentecost because I believe God has something even greater than what it was on the day of Pentecost for us today. Amen? Because his word says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it even come to mind. You can't even imagine what God has for his people today. Tonight, you've come into this place expecting something from God. And maybe it's not even something in your own personal life. Maybe you've come tonight as a leader in this church. You say, I come expecting a true Holy Ghost revival to invade this church and this community. Jesus is in the house tonight. And he looks at you and he says, well, do you really want it? If you do, just step in it. It doesn't have to be something special. Nobody has to lay hands on you. No, no, but nothing crazy has to happen. Do you really want it? Then just step in. You see, so many times we get so caught up right here. To the point, God, I know that you're dealing with me tonight. But God, you, you can do it right here. Because if I, if I step out and I walk down here, people are going to think that I have some big sin going on in my life. That's a misconception of the church. You know how many times that I just step out of my pew, wherever I sit in our church, when I get a chance to be in the service, and I just come down to the front, because not because of some sin that's in my life, not because of some addiction in my life, it's just because, God, I just want more of you. And I've got to sometimes get out of my comfort zone of where I am and forget about the voices that are in my head saying, you'll never make it, you'll never do this, to the place that Jesus said, do you really want it? Just step in. So there's nothing special about, there is nothing special about this, but I can tell you this as a pastor's standpoint, that when you preach a message, God prepares the altars. And you have to be willing. Every single time that Jesus performed the miracle, it required an action from his people. When the man with the withered hands, and he wanted it to be healed, what was it that he said? He said, extend your hand. His healing came from him acting. The blind man spit in the mud, spit in the dirt, made mud, put it on his eyes, told him to go and wash off on the other side of town. Do you know how hard it is for a blind person to get from one side of town to the other? See, you never thought about that before, have you? Why couldn't Jesus just did it right there? 
Because everything requires an action. Book of Acts. Why do you still stand here gazing? In like manner, the same man shall return. Go and tarry in Jerusalem. And wait as he sends the promise. Don't stand here. That's not where he's at. That's where he was. He's now going over here. You see, you better move from where God was to where God is. This man could have easily looked back at Jesus and said, No, the only way I can receive my healing is to step in these waters. But it wasn't that. He recognized the presence, the power, and the anointing that this man carried with him. And I believe he recognized that he was the Son of God. And he said, you know what? All these other people can stay here, but I'm going here. Rise up, take up your bed, and walk. And he took up his bed, and he said, don't don't tell anyone else who I am. Actually, he didn't even know who he was because it says a little bit later on, he goes to the temple carrying his bed and the religious people get on to him for carrying his bed on the Sabbath day. Jesus, you can't heal on the Sabbath day. Jesus, you can't work on the Sabbath day. All, you know, all that religion nonsense stuff. He said, who was this man? I don't even have a clue who this man was. And then he saw him again and he recognized him and said, that was the man. And he is the son of God. See, in this place tonight, you might have come just expecting another ordinary revival conference night. Or did you come saying, God, I don't care if everything is going right in my life. You've got more for me. Or, God, don't you see this hurt? Don't you see this pain? Don't you see what I'm going through? Don't you see what I'm struggling with? Don't you see that my marriage is falling apart? Don't you see that my kids are running from you? Don't you see, God, don't you see? I'm tired of struggling with this. God, don't you see? Tonight, God says, yes, I see. All you got to do is step in. Worship team, would you come unless you feel like you need to be in these altars in just a moment? See, tonight, in just a moment, there's fixing to be a complete atmosphere change in this place. Say, Pastor Lee, how can you even say that? It's because I know what the voice of the Lord has spoken to me. A complete atmosphere change. And it's going to be the Holy Spirit stepping into this place. Because he's come here for a miracle for you and you and you and you and you and me. No matter what it is that you've been facing in life. He's big enough. No matter how many times it's been told revival will never happen, those people will never come. You going to give up that easy?
And I'll tell you something, revival comes with a price. It comes with a price. How do I know that? Because we've been in revival at our church seeing souls saved like crazy. And every single person on our staff has had some form of illness, some form of an attack, some form of something that's been going on. And it has been crazy. But you know what? I'm reminded of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That in the midst of the fire, there was a fourth person who showed up. Now, let me just drop this little nugget with you. I know I said I was closing 30 minutes ago, but this is good stuff. It wasn't Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who saw the fourth person in the fire with them. Regardless how many times you've heard it preached, no matter how many times you've heard it, it was not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that saw the fourth man in the fire. It was the very person who put them in the fire who saw Jesus in the fire. Can I tell you something? It doesn't matter if you see God in what you're going through. What matters is, does hell see God in what you're going through? Here's the other thing. Their clothes weren't burnt. Hair wasn't singed. The only thing that was burned off of them were the very chains of bondage that the enemy placed on them to try to hold back their worship. But can I tell you something? That when you're in the middle of the fire, when you begin to lift your hands, it doesn't ha- you don't even have to lift your hands. I believe Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they were there, they would say, you know what? They bound my feet. They bound my hands. The fire's getting hot, but they still can't take my worship away from me because Jesus is still faithful to me. Jesus is still the one I'm going to serve. Amen? Adversity comes. And I'll leave you with this, I promise. Adversity comes. Adversity. Add a verse to me. You see, when you sing a song, the verses change, but the chorus stays the same. You see, the course of our life is, God, you're still faithful to me. God, you're still holy. God, you're still just. God, you're still my deliverer. God, you're still everything that I need. God, you're still faithful to me. The verses might change. My kids got strung out on drugs, but God, you're still faithful to me. My finances all went crazy, but God, you're still faithful to me. Everything else in my home seems like it's going crazy, but God, you're still faithful to me. You see, it doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter how many times you feel like the the carpet has been... just pulled out from underneath you. What matters is God is still faithful to you. And he's here tonight because he's that faithful. Would you stand all across the building tonight? Father, come on, lift your hands all across the place. Begin to cry out to him right where you are. Come on, with your voice. With your voice. Come on, your voice. Whatever it is that you need. You need a miracle in this place tonight. If you want to see revival, you let your voice. You let your voice. Father, tonight.